0: Okay, Philippians 4, I would like to start where we left off, because we had only two minutes, I think, in time to even discuss it, and to me it's one of the... The one of the verses that I look forward to reading when I read Philippians, uh, and that was the one that Susan wanted us to read. Susan, would you like to read it again? That's Philippians four, eight, and nine.
1: Sure. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing: fix your thoughts on what is t- true and honorable, and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you.
0: We didn't answer or ask the question, how do you do this?
2: One answer is that it's a choice.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say, Ed.
2: (laughs) You have to make choices, and we do this all the time. A lot of the times we go off assumptions without looking at the way God has designed everything. Like this coronavirus, so many assumptions about what's going to happen based on some information, but not a whole lot of facts. But humans, we want to uh, have the answers, so we just move merrily along
0: <laughs> so making a choice and and I think that's so important a lot of times we try to do things but we don't choose to do them and there's something really powerful about our choice our ability to choose that um, we don't realize how powerful that is and we don't use it enough what else?
1: it's so true yeah. what you said about we don't use it enough cuz i think you know we end up we're not intentional about a lot of choices that we make as far mm-hmm. as like it, like if something is circumstantial oh well that's just the way it went or that's the way it goes or something like that um instead of being intentional and realizing wait what's the choice in here
3: because mm-hmm.
1: that's the one the, the biggest gift that god gave us or yeah.
0: yeah
2: choices are based on our beliefs Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and our beliefs are powerful Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: what we believe has power over us Mm -hmm. and that really impacts you know those choices so we have to be very careful of what we believe which is part of our knowledge and understanding Mm
0: -hmm.
2: without understanding our beliefs and just going along with what someone else tells us uh, we're not very mature in our character development. We have to search this out for ourselves diligently.
0: Yeah. One of the things that uh, Michael Jefferson taught in one of my classes that I found helpful, is he says, instead of trying to make a whole complete change at once, make a, cha- make a partial change, you know, just one step forward, and for me, that one step has been to switch from seeing a glass half empty to seeing a glass half full. Uh, and I have found that once I made a decision to do that, once I started doing that, looking for the, the positives uh, in, in something negative, um, I have found that very helpful.
4: And, Gene, there's actually one step beyond that. It is it's not it's not a matter of whether it's half empty or half full. The gla- glass is actually completely full. It's just half of it's full with water and half of it's full with air. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, it just depends on how far you want to broaden your. perspective. You sure.
0: <laughs> That's good. So I shared this Bible
3: verse with my film class this week or my Christian and the Media class. Um, and it's a it's a verse that's brought up in this article. Um, it's from oh, I can't remember if it's Adventist Today or Dialogue, something like that. It's called Adventist in Movies, a Century of Change. And we're trying to think about you know, some concrete examples, and ways of using this and Adventists have changed in their position on film and television and cinema and what we watch at home. How do we apply this text to film? <laughs> and um, he uses a really interesting example uh, from George Knight. And uh, oh, maybe
0: I Who wrote I the article?
3: Uh, this one's from by Brian Strayer.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Actually, it might be the other article I'm talking about here. Let see. Anyway, there's another article by Richard Osborne on film as well. And he makes a very interesting uh, application of George Knight's um, discussion in one of his books on. How he approached literature because some people think, Oh, you know, we're only supposed to read the Bible and Ellen White's, right? And mm-hmm. George Knight said, Well, when it comes to many other literature, I will apply Philippians 4 8 in a fairly rigid way. If it's not noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, and it has to be all of those things. And mm-hmm. only those things, then he won't read it. And he said his list of books that he could read is no. Is it on
0: Yeah. No. yeah you, we sorry. still hear you.
3: We can still hear you. Oh.
4: Okay. It just Her screen, something just popped up on it. We can't see you. Oh. <laughs> just gonna click on the zoom down there.
3: Oh, oh here we are um and so he discovered that he there was just hardly anything he could read and he thought hang on this is ridiculous (laughs) right um when we look at the bible is everything that's recorded in the bible fit the criteria of (laughs) normal
0: we'd have to excise a few things katrina
3: (laughs) and so he started to um say well no um You know, obviously we we would be truncating ourselves from, you know, cutting ourselves off from the world if we literally followed this text. And so I was trying to help my students, like, well, how should we uh, apply this? Uh, And a very good point in the article was taken from um, Francis Schaeffer is, what's the major theme of something and what's the minor theme? yes a minor theme will always be trouble and misery and you know all of these things that we experience is part of the human condition but can we find something good and beautiful and lovely so it's not that we just want to put things away completely because to do so um you know we're not in heaven yet and we are experiencing tragedies we just have to use wisdom in knowing how to apply this and I pointed out to them, you know, Paul uh, frequently was writing to people who were persecuted and who, you know, having their resources and their jobs taken away. And, and they were in these terrible circumstances and he wanted to encourage them to look upon things that were good, but that doesn't mean that we have to completely avoid things. Um, that also speak to us because they simply talk about the human condition. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we would have to we would have to not read the Levite and the concubine story, if if we were going to apply this text to every part of Scripture. And and then you think of all the different bad things like Cain killing his brother Abel. Um, and then
4: there's the, the whole issue of Diana and Shechem. And, yeah. Uh, it wasn't
0: exactly a high moment either i think i think one principle to apply the bible doesn't spend pages and pages on what is bad it tends to tell it very briefly and i think one criteria could be uh how much of this work be it literature or movies how much of this work spends time on the dark side and and how much of it spends time on the bright side
3: in the dark side, yeah. which is what horror films do, and murder right. shows, there's right? Voice in it, and like that's wrong, yeah. But if there's a true story, if there's a moral to the story, and something that can touch us mm-hmm. and help us to see life and ourselves and in a new perspective, then it can be a positive thing, yeah. yeah I think also
2: because humans. With our sinful nature We so are attracted to And focus so much on the negative And the dark side that it's trying to encourage us To focus on what's positive And the good part mm-hmm. And If we do that we know It changes our brain Our neurological structure Our psychology mm-hmm. Our emotions Our physical Our spiritual So it's really counseling us Where to put our emphasis And our our attention and our belief structures we develop and then not focus on the dark side
0: mm-hmm.
2: and which we, as a human we're so prone to do that so i think it's a real <laughs> counsel not if you take every word in the bible literally if i have a bad thought do i actually literally pull my eye out of my brain my socket—it doesn't make sense. It's—it's it's the concept that's involved, yeah. not a literal description. So many people want to take every word in the Bible literally, which is pretty immature. But... Yeah,
0: and it, and and it doesn't mean that, you know, you could take this to such an extreme that you could never show empathy to a person who's in a dark spot, um, because well, that would be focusing on a dark spot, but. It's not saying that at all, I think.
5: When I was growing up, I did not see the movie Pollyanna until, I don't know, maybe after I was married. But of course, I heard about it a lot. I mean, I heard reference to it, Mm -hmm. and it was almost always derogatory. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you're just Pollyanna, kind of. I had remarks, and so that was the impression I had of the story. And then when I actually watched the movie, I was really surprised that it wasn't that way at all. It was actually very encouraging to me
1: mm-hmm.
5: and very uplifting, and I'm like, why, why does nearly everyone sort of look down on Pollyanna as some immature, out of touch with reality person when I watched the movie, I said, she's more in touch with
0: reality
4: than everybody else was. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, just because uh, it, you don't have to ignore the, the presence of evil or of the bad things that are going on to be able to, to look past it and you know, say, you know, this too shall pass, that God is bigger than whatever this problem is, and somehow we'll find a way through this and past it. Um that yeah, that somehow being an optimist doesn't mean that you're just completely out of touch with with what's actually happening,
1: well, what's interesting too, is that people, like you said, Floyd, that the Pollyanna was very derogatory, like even saying that, but people don't like it when we try and look at the good side of things or the positive, like they get mad or think that you're out of touch or like, well, you don't know what's going on or you know, you're not informed. Um, one, so one, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why there's that. I guess I don't know if it's the human condition of just that pull to like, like we've said, the dark side or or the that I don't know. It's we hard to understand.
0: I I heard a minister say one time when I was a teenager that we feel good about feeling bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. What's wrong with that <laughs> um and misery loves company so anybody who feels and it's a sign really of depression if if you're really annoyed by people who are happy and ex- happy and excited about things about life and and you're in a in a difficult state it, it's a sign of depression and i yeah. think we have a lot more people depressed in our world than we know
4: yeah, and and one thing that we see is far, and it's in in many different areas of life, and I think this probably applies here as well. Um, but one of the areas that I've I've seen this repeatedly is when, let's say, there's a, a group of people who may be in a a, a lower economic uh, socioeconomic group, and then one of the members decides, no, I, I I'm I'm not ha- I'm not satisfied with sticking here, and will strike out start their own business, do something to, to, you know, go to college, do, you know, whatever to, to, to improve their chances to be able to, to move out of that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to watch the other people in that group that rather than supporting this, the majority will, will not, not only just not be encouraging, but will actively try to keep them from being able to, uh, to succeed. Um, and that it appears that the psychology behind this is that if if there if a person is seeing that there are people around them that are escaping and are moving and making you know their lives better then suddenly they no longer have an excuse for staying there themselves exactly uh, and the, but if nobody can get out then they can just blame it on the system mm-hmm. um, and then they can just go on and sit and watch TV and complain about how miserable their life is, rather than actually trying to make something of, of themselves. And I think that there could be something similar going on here, uh, as far as when when someone who is living a happier life, in, in a way uh, that's at odds with the way they're doing it, it, just brings to the surface the fact that they have a choice in the matter. Uh, that they don't have to be miserable, that They could actually choose to uh, to be happy and to, to look for the the good things, and you know the fact of the matter is, we talked about last week, whatever you are kind of looking for, you're going to find. Right? You'll find more of, and uh, and that are uh, the brain. You know, there's a reticular activating system that uh, that screens out. You know, we we're bombarded by so much information and stimuli every day that there's no way we can concentrate on everything and so it tries to learn what's important and then and then uh then filters out the stuff that isn't and lets through the things that are and we can program uh that to to what it lets through and what it doesn't um as you know over time as it figures out what what we spend time on, just like your email tries to figure out, you know, which things are spam and which things you're actually interested in based on what things you opened and which things you just immediately deleted. Well, the same thing, you know, our brain is doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. Um, which also, it kind of related to something that Ed had mentioned earlier as far as when he was talking about our thoughts, that this whole process also reminds me of Paul elsewhere when he talks about that we should, you know, we should control our thoughts. Uh, and I think that that's part of this process as well. Um, and that too often we kind of think of our thoughts as, is we, we forget to, to differentiate, uh, between the fact that our thoughts are not us. Uh, and that they're two separate things. Um, and that we can choose to entertain a thought or we can choose to banish a thought. Um, and sometimes it's easier than others, but that with practice, you can actually tend to train your brain just to stay away from certain areas. Uh, and that—that uh, that I think that that's also you know, part, a big part of this whole process.
5: Isn't this sort of the principle where Paul talked about, that we are the aroma of Christ, which is like perfume for those who are being saved, and it's a stench of death to those who are being lost? But it's the very same perfume. But it's, it causes an opposite reaction.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I, I know what you were describing. Someone shared with me years ago when I was in a business, you know, struggling mostly with my mental attitude, which I have all my life. And he, he calls it the, the crab theory or the, the lobster theory, whatever they are. And he said, you can put a box and put all these crabs in it and not even put a lid on it. And you don't have to worry about them escaping. Because they're all crawling around in there. And as soon as one gets up and starts escaping, the other ones will grab and pull them back in the box. (laughs) And he said, that's the way it is with us. If we start escaping the crab box, the crabs are constantly trying to pull you back in with them because... You know, that's normal. And wait, you can't escape. If we can't escape, you
1: can't. Wow.
0: That's a great illustration. It is. Wow,
1: that's fascinating.
0: Uh, very very much like us human beings, isn't it? Uh, so are we ready to move on in, in Philippians?
1: Well, just one more thing on verse 9 where it says, keep putting into practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all you learned. Mm-hmm. Um, that says a lot right there, you know, mm-hmm. as far as we need to practice this. Mm-hmm. We need to practice guiding our thoughts and what we're choosing to, yeah. to focus on.
4: Yeah, well, all the theory in the world isn't going to help you until you actually start doing something about it.
0: In fact, I don't think we even understand it or know it until we start practicing it. Anything else before we no, move that's
2: on? <laughs> <laughs> that's we don't know it until we practice it. Yeah, it has to be an expression of some sort.
4: Yeah, and they also say, and, and then actually, the step beyond that is you—you you don't really understand something until you can teach it to someone else. So that's the next step beyond you. You've done it, and then you teach someone else to be able to do it. At that point, then you really have a better understanding of it.
3: Well, even if you teach it to someone else, that doesn't mean
0: can <laughs> Well, maybe truly teach it. <laughs>
4: Teaching the actual thing, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. But... I'm still struggling with how to teach it. Some things, like the love of God, I, I struggle with that because I have certain concepts that I tell students, but it, it's like, how do I explain this? You know, I can tell it, but I can't easily explain it. Um. Okay, let's move on to verses 10 to 14. Um, Floyd would you read that for us please?
5: But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your thought for me in which you did indeed take thought but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect to lack, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content in it. I know how to be humbled and I know also how to abound. In everything and in all things, I have learned the secret, both to be filled and to be hungry, both to abound and to be in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. However, you did well that you shared in my affliction.
0: So, this is not a situation where we just go around saying, it's okay, I'm I'm hungry, but that's fine. Uh, it's okay for people to empathize with people in need. It's okay for them to feel bad for them. And I think that's what he's saying in that last verse, um, that, that it doesn't change the need for comfort and all of that. But he has the comfort of Christ. In all of his circumstances, and that's what helps him, I think, feel content. And I realize I'm adding something to the verses that aren't there, uh, but I think it's—I I don't think we can reach that level of contentment that he has experienced without Jesus. Any thoughts on that?
2: Well, he's saying he knows the power of God. God's love in transforming us. Yeah. I can do
0: all things through Christ who strengthens me.
2: That's one way of demonstrating to others, like your students,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: what love is.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's that transformation,
4: our respect for others, how we. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You show
0: it instead of tell it. Right.
4: And ultimately, that transformation is the only thing that really. Ultimately, that that's the, the single biggest proof of the existence of God and of, of any of all of this. Right. Is the actual working out of how, how did it make a difference in my life? Uh, and I think that there are too many people, uh, and even you know, looking back in you know, a good share of my own life, where being a Christian or an Adventist was more of a cultural thing Um, And it really, it was just sort of a little thing that was added on the top, but it really hadn't had a real effect at the core of who I was. Um, And I think that that's one of the reasons why so many young people are leaving the church is just because they look around and they say, I don't see this. Everybody here looks like they're dealing with the same issues and same problems, have the same hangups, whatever, is anybody else anywhere in the world? And it doesn't seem to have made a difference in their life, so I don't think there's anything to it. Um, And that if we had a higher percentage of, of people, and and I consider include my own, you know, self in this, of if I was living in a way that where it was more obvious to the people around that there was something different. Uh, that there would be more situations like, where Peter says, when people come and ask you, you know, what's the secret? Um, well, that implies that there's something that they can see that um, that it's made a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But then, but that, but that, that they're that they're seeing that there's something different. You've got that hope that there's something different in your life than uh, than what they have or what they don't have, than something that they want. Um, but that most of us, uh, we just walk along and you couldn't pick us out of a crowd, even if you, you know, uh, I forget who it was that, uh, uh, somewhere I heard someone come up with a thing saying, if if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Um, And, uh, you know, that, and so, yeah, I have to just wonder, well, in my own life, would there be enough? Uh, and that uh, that this, but that ultimately, that that's the single biggest thing that I think would uh, actually draw people to Jesus and, and uh, help them to realize the 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 proof that there is is a God there.
2: Well, my impression is so much of what people see in this is really fear, and we're so fearful, not going to heaven or not keeping the Ten Commandments or what is it, 28 principles or on and on and on. We just live in fear, then when we come up with people, say at church or outside the world, we don't really engage with them. We do uh, what Erickson called the, the one, two, three, four. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? You're fine. And then you walk away from each other. There's no real sharing or engagement with other people and uh for those of you that may remember me, Baldwin, he made sure that he knew everybody's names and particularly the children and he really and I don't know if you know he ha- used to have a little book he'd write their names down and a little something about each child so that he could keep going and engage with each and every child, and they loved him because there was an engagement there you know
0: um Mead Baldwin was uh the one who started Silverado Orchards, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That whole that whole atmosphere and an ambience that you're talking about with Mead carries into uh Silverado Orchards. My my parents chose to live there because of the ambience there. Um and of course, uh his grandson Kerry, is now in charge. Right. right. And Kerry was one of my students. Um, it 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 is it, compared to the alternative in i it, it is just night and day. And my parents just when they when they visited the two facilities, they were like, you know, this is where we want to be. The people are happy. They they talk to each other. They they're engaged with each other. And and uh, yeah, it, you, it what so... what you're in charge of takes on who you are.
2: Like foothill school, and he was part of that mm-hmm. whole infrastructure and support system. Mm-hmm. So we have to come out of our fear shell and start trusting the Lord that He'll change us and transform us. And that transformation isn't some sort of you can talk about it real ethereal like love and so forth, but it's a real application of what our well, beliefs are. Our beliefs are so powerful.
0: To me. It is like Paul says here, I can do all things through Christ. And it sounds like it's power, but the real power of God is his love. And it's when we allow him to love us and we receive his love in our lives, we become functional human beings, able to love other people. But that's where it's the hardest thing to experience. I can tell them my experience, but students who have no concept of or have no experience in that, Um, unless they can somehow experience it in my class through the Holy Spirit, which I think we have to rely on in a lot of ways. Uh, We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to mediate what we try to teach so that students can grasp and and actually have that experience in class. And I have had some students who have had that experience in class.
4: What you were saying there just reminded me uh, There's something that uh, Erwin McManus will say repeatedly um, is that when Jesus came, we we always focus on the fact that he came to reveal what the character and what God is like. Mm -hmm. Um, But just as important is when he was here, he revealed what it looks like to be truly human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just how far off we've fallen from what what we were created to be, how we were created to interact with each other, and, and, um, and that, that he was and, uh, both of those things.
0: And talk about crabs trying to pull him down into the box.
3: Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> the pharisee crabs. <laughs> that's, that's really a good
2: point. Um, thinking of it that way, that Jesus is living and showing how humans can be living and showing God's love. Correct. And he wasn't always just sort of tiptoeing around like uh, la la la. He was very practical and engaged with everybody in every situation. And sometimes he showed some uh, real excessive emotions, mm-hmm. like the temple tipping over the tables and so forth. Um, but that's really a good point that he's showing God's love, how humans would be. But that's really interesting. I have to think about that more. When
0: when you, when you think about the temple, it really makes sense that Jesus would do it so dramatically, on behalf of the poor, and people who were being unjustly treated by the the rates they were charging for the temple shekel, the the uh, price they were charging for the animals, uh, and. And there was all this arguing and fighting and, and Jesus just topples it all over and says, get it out of here. This is this is well, not what well, my father's it, house is for.
2: I wonder if he also had to be so dramatic about it because people were used to, and you couldn't just come in and pat him on the head and say, bless you, I love you, no. you're really nice. No. You really feel good even though you're crippled no. or something. He really had to be dramatic to get the point across. Everybody, those in power and those without any power, yeah. And uh, it was a really nice demonstration to get their attention, and that there was real love and concern here. But you know, there's real power here. The
0: way I see Jesus doing that, because the Bible does not say he was angry. No, no, no. He walked in with majesty, calmness. Uh, deliberation intentionality and he did it he didn't start just throwing everything around he calmly opened up the the bird cages and let the birds out he calmly turned over a table and you you know you think about him doing it that way and it's it's utterly scary (laughs) you know he's not mad he's doing this deliberately
5: think it's a really important point that he and I've been saying this for years that Jesus was the only normal human being who ever lived and I know in psychology you know they have the standard of normality. there is no normal everybody's dysfunctional except for Jesus and what is a normal human being well if you look at the creation account God said let us create man in our image and in our likeness Well, that means we're created to be mirrors, to reflect the truth about God's character. Well, we switched gods in Eden, and we've been reflecting the wrong kind of God ever since. But Jesus came to show us how what we were created to be, reflectors Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. And that also means that Jesus came to live as a reflector, not as an origin. He did not come to be God among us. He came to be a human, reflecting the truth about God, and showed us what that looks like. And that we can do the same thing, because he's our new Adam. We're in Christ. Therefore, with Christ living in us, we also can be normal human beings, which is simply reflecting God. And... Keith just came in and joined me. I'm actually staying in his house here, so. <laughs>
0: Hi, Keith. <laughs>
4: Hi.
0: <laughs> so, um, I don't know, how are we doing for time?
4: It's 11
0: o'clock. It's 11 o'clock. So, uh, does anybody else have something you would like to share? I don't think we'll do the last section of uh, Philippians because it's, it's on a different topic than we're on, um, so we'll next week we'll be on Colossians, and that is rich with Christology and um, salvation topics. So, looking forward to being in that book.
4: Well, um, the one other thing that I thought sure. was being read on um, verse 12, it said, "I know how to be humble." In my version, it says, "I know how to be a base," which is there's a there's a difference. Connotation there, humility is a is more of a, a choice that you make uh, about how and, and, and how you view yourself in relationship with God and and other people, as opposed to being abased, which is something that is that's done to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as opposed,
0: and in an honor shame society like Paul lived in, the worst thing you could do is be abased. I mean that that was the worst thing that could happen to you
5: think the more dis- most descriptive word is humiliated. Yes. Humiliated is something done to you. Being humble is a choice that you can do for yourself. But if somebody else humbles you, that's not necessarily positive either.
4: Yeah. I, I don't know that someone else can humble you. Uh, someone else can humiliate you, but I don't know yeah. Only you can humble yourself.
2: Well, my translation says, the secret to real peace and contentment in every situation, that's being humble. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, mine says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. The secret to real peace and contentment is an abiding trust in Christ Realizing my strength comes from Him through the peace, strength, wisdom, and perspective that Christ gives me.
4: I can handle whatever happens. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's verse 13. Yeah. But I think this kind of gets back then a little bit to what we were talking about at the beginning. As far as the this all coming back to choice. And that you know most of what happens around us on a day-to-day basis we have no control over. Uh, it, it's going to happen. Uh, and it, due to choices other people make or in other situations or, you know, or things that, you know, in our bodies that start malfunctioning or whatever that, you know, maybe it's because of poor diet or other poor choices we've made in the past or maybe it's not, um, regardless. Um, but that at any given moment, there's a lot of things that we can't change. Um, but... Can choose how how we're going to respond to it exactly, um, and that that makes all the difference on uh, how on, on how we see the world and what we do. And um, also, one of the things that kind of like the glass half full empty thing is that over my you know over the years that I've I've come to realize that um, that at any given day or any given situation, even. Um, you know, that there's no such thing as a bad day. Um, it just that, you know, some sometimes my frame of reference is so narrow that I just see how a particular thing is affecting me, and I think, yes, it's a bad day, but if I really step back and look at the bigger picture of things, that every day is beautiful, every day is a good day, uh, just some days I'm just too uh, narcissistic to be able to see the bigger picture. Um, and to, to realize the way the many ways in which it's a good day. And going
1: off on what Floyd said, maybe it's the days that we don't we're not we're not recognizing that we're that mirror. Like we forget we're the mirror. Yeah.
0: Yep. I, I think, think one,
5: one of the naming our mirror out. Exactly. Right.
0: I think one of the most shining examples of what Paul's saying here it was a student of mine last year, Niya Safis. Uh, Naya was uh, traveling Silverado Trail on a Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon. And uh, she was coming from work with her boyfriend. And a drunk driver hit the car. And if you could see the picture of the car, you would know that she survived. She was one of the 2% that can survive that kind of a crash. Um. And... I never have seen anyone with such resilience and such hope and such determination. Um, this woman came to class on, sometimes she walked without a cane, sometimes she walked with a cane. She would come to class and she told me they they uh, did a scan of her legs and discovered that she was purely walking on her rods that they had inserted into her legs. She was not walking on bone at all. Her legs had been that crushed. But they could see little strands of bone beginning to form and grow. Um. And she, she tried de- very hard to stay in my classes, but she had so many doctor's appointments and so many things happening in her life just to keep herself going that she had to drop... But um, she was just, to me, a shining example of, of someone who is just in a terrible situation, really, uh, should have died, could have died, and yet has, has just risen to the occasion and, and determined to keep a, a healthy and happy attitude I really think PUC should put out a notice to all students, please do not drive Silverado Trail unless you absolutely have to. Uh, Just last week, we had a third accident with a student who could have killed somebody, and it wasn't her fault. Anyway, uh, I think our time probably is up. Do we have more minutes on Zoom? I think it's unlimited. Oh, it's unlimited. So uh, do you want to call it quits for today or do you want to keep discussing?
5: Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity of meeting you all face-to-face, if you can call it that. (laughs) I have heard (laughs) heard your voices for years. I feel like I know you until I saw your face and I'm like, Oh, my. You look <laughs> totally different.
0: <laughs> than you thought, right?
5: Yes. Katrina and her husband, I swore, were at least 24 or 28 years old. No more. <laughs> <laughs> so close. They're close. <laughs> He's and always a... right here. <laughs> and I've heard Edwin for years. You're probably the closest to looking like what you sound like. Oh, that's
0: good.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I've, you know, and there are other voices, you know, over the years. But I'll, I will tell you that while I'm editing, I'm listening. Sometimes I have to stop editing and go take notes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to interject and it's obviously too late. <laughs> but. This has been an enormous blessing to me for I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but I, I think like I, I think get... you
0: started. Let's see, when did we start recording? <laughs> we started recording in 2013, January of 2013. So that's how long you've been at it.
5: This has been such. It's like every single week I. I learned something new, and sometimes very profound things, and so your class has all benefited me all these years, and I keep wishing, oh, man, it's too expensive. I'd love to go out there and be part of the class, and like, wait, I can do it now. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to get on last week, and I had the same problem. I couldn't get the number to work
1: and everything, and so. Well, we're glad you could get on this week. Absolutely. Pleasure to meet you, Floyd. Exactly. I hope you can continue joining us as we're doing this, especially. I, I certainly hope so. This is this is rich. I mean we could technically do it even when we're not in um yeah, isolation felt- or whatever. We could
0: I'm wondering it. how many people will start keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Fire talked about it the other week and said we want to continue
0: yeah. in this way because it's in some ways it's more intimate and personal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it in some ways um we're not as distracted.
5: Yeah. I'm assuming this is being recorded, right?
0: Yes. I'm I'm recording it on my phone. I'll be sending it to the Dropbox.
5: Okay. I almost asked you at the beginning, if you gave me permission, I could record it right here and we wouldn't even, you know, I'd already have the recording, I could Um, edit. It's too late. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we could both record it, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's recording.
6: Even though I'm here the last 10 minutes, it's a privilege listen in. I can't can't jump in at the end of a discussion and I haven't known where it's gone. Another thing that's very interesting about the way Zoom is when you're in a, a face-to-face conversation, you can't be looking at everybody face-to-face at the same time.
0: Right.
6: Mm-hmm. This is quite, yeah, it's, it's a blessing. Plus, we're looking into home environments. Home mm-hmm. mm-hmm. warmer than a scholastic, um, mm-hmm. um, what should I say? Uh, normally, Sabbath schools are kind of a scholastic setting. we we, we tend to emotionally uh, put our our, our, our scholastic persona.
0: (laughs) Well, you know...
6: We're more, we're able to relax a little more and mm -hmm.
1: excuse humanity.
0: (laughs) You've seen the cartoon on Facebook of uh, the woman with her cup of coffee and her big fat slippers and she's walking down the aisle of the church. (laughs) <laughs> and they say, Mrs. Mrs. So and So somehow can't remember that she's supposed to be in church. Right, she's right, still right. at home watching. Used to, you know, <laughs> <yourself>. <laughs> are you on your way to the
6: church meeting, or are you the church on your way to meeting? <laughs>
0: right. Anyway, well, I'm I'm thinking that this whole pandemic is going to drastically change. How we do church.
4: And it's needed.
0: I think it is needed. It's been needed to dump us out of our pews and our complacency and our humdrum sameness and and get some life into us.
2: But well, didn't the church start with uh, people meeting in their homes and outdoors yes. and so forth? Yes. The Bible doesn't talk about building churches. You know.
1: well,
5: Constantine built the first churches.
0: Yeah.
5: Well, I, I just got back from taking a, a,
6: a Korean fan, well, not a family, but husband and wife that can hardly speak English. So we, we walked in the park for two hours and had wonderful fellowship. It's amazing out in nature how much fellowship you can have, even though there's a language barrier uh, that could not, it, it would be much. More awkward in a uh, uh, non-natural environment. Mm. You know, we just we we enjoyed Sabbath. We had church, Mm. walking in the park.
2: So I'm going to sign out. We've got our pastor. That's uh, uh, I think we're using YouTube, if I remember right. So um, anyway, I'll see you next Sabbath, God willing, as they say.
0: Hey, bye-bye, Ed. All righty.
2: will see you later. Okay. I guess I've got to practice here.
0: You have to bring up up the bar at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, it says, leave. Leave, yes.
2: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Leaving. There
6: we go.
0: There we go. So... Everybody's now silent, just enjoying everybody's presence, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's real community. It is. Although I must say, some people have a tendency to just put the screen so it looks like John the Baptist's head on a (laughs)
5: clatter. Beheading everybody,
3: right? It is helpful if we see a little, just a little bit more so we don't have the.
0: the Am I guilty with that? Actually, now, now I need to so see a little bit more of you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> we recently went through a nine-day series of Zoom meetings that was very powerful and life-changing. And what really grabbed my attention, one of the things was people were giving their testimonies of how their life was dramatically changed but I was looking at their spouse's face sitting beside them while they were talking. And I was getting as much from watching their spouse's face as I was from what the person was saying themselves. It would never happen in most circumstances. Mm -hmm. And and I was really impressed. I I never thought about that before, but I was like riveted at looking at their their spouse's face Were just lighting up and looking at the person. You could just see the... The admiration and the warmth and the approval, and and it was it was overwhelming, really. Oh. So Zoom is really adding a whole new dimension to worship in in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, really, it's
6: it's, it's, it's filling out of the concept of, of genuinely glad to be together. You know, we, we cannot, we cannot reverse engineer that. It either is or it's not. If, it's, if
5: you pretend it, then it's painful. And if body language is 90% of our communication, we've lost it. A lot of that.
0: Mm-hmm. The only thing I I wish would happen with church services is what Loma Linda University is doing. Instead of the pastor going to the pulpit and having this really empty building effect, he sits in a warmer place in his study and he uh, preaches actually more conversationally from the Word.
4: Right. And
0: I I really wish they would do that here at PUC.
4: That's his style.
5: My withdrawals if they go back to doing it in church. Uh,
0: they won't have anybody there, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I'll be watching on the screen. <laughs> it, 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 it,
5: it's
6: quite the art. In other words, when you're preaching and you have people in front of you, their, their body language is actually what's inspiring your, your, your next train. Uh, it, certainly, it redirects you in, in, in the moment. But if you're talking to a camera, to be able to to pretend that people are there is, is a real skill.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, and, and I, I, I agree with you. it's easier just to I, I suppose it's supposed to be easier, right? Just to be who we are from our from our chairs, or from mm-hmm. the chair at the home.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the way to go if we're going to stay the, on this route. Yeah. The only thing I think we miss by not actually physically being present is we can't hug each other. Of course we can't anyway <laughs> because of the pandemic. We can't we can't warmly greet one another person to person. And and there's something for that I think that we're going to miss if we just go solely to this methodology. That's,
1: yeah. That's one thing I miss a lot. Yeah. yeah. The
0: tugging, the touch yeah. It feels to me just a little artificial and like like we're not really connected. I can't, I can't physically feel your vibes. I can't, I can't connect to you through the screen. It's a barrier instead of actually a device to connect. Well, we're,
6: we're, we're created for human touch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
6: We are. One of the things that my wife, when she was living, had a lot of, uh, what do you call it, soft, soft place for it uh, was a Jewish dance. And uh, she ended up leading out in that group because what it provided was human touch between all ages, personalities, ethnicities, in which if you, you didn't have to be speaking. You didn't have the pressure of having to to, uh, uh, to say something in words. You, you would just be holding hands and moving together in, 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 a, uh, in a way that said, we belong together, we're family, we, we enjoy this experience. But there's always you know, room for talking afterwards, but you created created this, this non-sexual bond. That is a beautiful thing which is how we were created. Synchronizing. Uh, we, we were in Israel <laughs> many years ago and we saw that taking place there. And We didn't know anything about it, but we saw this genuine joy of community in, in, in a way in which it could be expressed uh, that we as Americans don't do.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, it's not part of our culture, um, but uh, there are many things that are touched, that are part of our culture, uh, you know, with the enemy trying to rob us of the, the simple uh, ways in which we express appreciation. I had a. Um, two, uh, I have a student moving in to one of my rooms here, so he had two of his friends come with him. So you, you naturally reach out your hand to shake. You know, how are you? The introduction his friends, but so one friend. No problem. The second friend. Oh no, I can't. My, my I promised my wife I wouldn't touch anybody.
0: <laughs> Yet we're all touching the same things. <laughs> we're moving
6: furniture. So <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, 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 it's silly. The, uh, uh, the sometimes how we yeah, our our fears. Which can be genuine, but our fears can come in the way of what we would naturally do without to think about it. We naturally want to express and to touch, to joy to, to, to together. Um, and uh, so and at the same time, respect obviously another you know, person's uh, space. You know. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny.
5: Katrina, ever since I heard you join the class, I've been enamored with your voice. <laughs> 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 you have the most beautiful voice I think I've ever heard in my life.
3: <laughs> oh, you know my voice is something I've always felt embarrassed of. My really? Mother, my older sister, when I was a little girl, said, you've got the most silliest, stupid voice I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever gotten over that. Always in the back of my mind, I felt that, and uh, I even had some voice coaching lessons to help help me overcome, you know, my fears and improve my voice for preaching and public speaking. But it's always something I felt ashamed of. But I actually have the exact same voice as my mother. I can. I could pick up the phone and answer it and an auntie or someone would immediately start pouring out their problems and not realize they would be speaking to me and not my mum. And then I'd giggle or give something away and I'd go, oh, get your mother right now. <laughs> thank you for the compliment.
5: <laughs> I, I've actually many times threatened to try to get in touch with you to to uh, do an audio recording of a book or something, because you have the perfect voice for reading the kind of books that I would like to see on audio, but I thought, well, she's probably too busy, or she might think I'm some kind of creep trying to get a hold of her, or who knows?
3: As long as it's not war and Pace. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> not the kind
5: of book I would read. <laughs> But if that's something you'd like, it,
6: as long as it's not terribly long, yeah, I'd be happy to help you with that. Oh, I, I would be thrilled. <laughs> individuality and personality is a good tool. What time does it do Everyone? Oh, okay. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. To, to have our individuality swallowed by a group identity. Mm-hmm. So the, I mean that's a great gift, you know, that God gives us a group identity that he gives us which enhances our individuality. So Satan produces a group identity that swallows our individuality. So these unique characteristics
5: of the delight you know, of life. You now for several years we've had third books that we wanted someone to read. And there was a whole group of us looking for someone which they never did find anybody as far as I know. And I started paying attention by listening to people to how they express what they emphasize. And I realized their spirit, you know, and their belief system has a great deal to do with what words they emphasize or how they talk. And I realized that nearly everyone I heard just sounded bland or were emphasizing the wrong things. And and I kept listening and listening and listening. And when I heard your voice, I said, there it is. That's the one. That's what I'm looking. I've been looking for years, and I finally heard it, and I didn't know how to get a hold of you. (laughs) Hopefully,
0: Katrina, that will undo a little bit of what your sister did to you.
3: god why didn't you give me a different voice if you want me to teach and speak <laughs> but anyway i just learned to live through the i guess feeling embarrassment and just accept what it is and realize hey if god wants me to do it then i'll i'll do it and just if people laugh or think it's funny then i'll just you well, know don't don't, don't change <laughs> <Bye>. yeah,
1: yeah.
5: <laughs> well remember what we were just talking about in philippians right some people are going to respond you know the aroma of perfume and they're excited and other people are going to respond very negatively and find it reprehensible then it's the same thing it all re- it's really revealing the person's response more than it is you yep.
4: Well, hopefully, um, hearing it from you will mean more than hearing it from me. I've been telling her for years that she that I love her voice, but uh, I, I guess I'm just supposed to. And so it, it doesn't yeah. get discounted.
5: Um, I know exactly what you're saying. I have the same problem with my wife. You know, I try to tell her things about herself, and, of course, you know, it doesn't carry any
4: weight.
5: Yeah. So somebody else has to tell her that.
4: Yeah. So... This is a little bit off topic, but Susan, I think you, the message you have on your uh, the blackboard back there was perfect for today's topic. It says "delight in finding the beautiful." Um oh. I've been trying to read it the whole time. And uh, anyway, I think that, that that's a perfect uh, fitting uh, for what we've been talking about today. Yeah, that is. Yeah.
0: A thought came to me this week that I'd never thought before. That, in order to really know and appreciate God, we have to have a love for beauty. Uh-huh. and it It strikes me that our whole society is destroying our love for beauty i mean the the mechanistic uh, you know social media uh digital media. Uh, all the technologies we have and the fast pace which we have to go, we have to meet everybody's demands, uh, is is dehumanizing us and making it so we can't appreciate beauty. And I I think about how it's affected clothing, how um, so many companies are going to selling clothes that are just plain colored, drab, and, and not and and everybody's wearing them because I I look at my students you know and they won't wear bright colors they won't they won't um, dress in patterns they won't yeah yeah and I just think that we need to restore beauty our our ability to appreciate beauty. It's funny you said it because yesterday I've got
3: bright colored clothes but I never wear them when I teach because my students always act weird when I wear bright colors, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to wear them. When I go back to school, I'm just going to be myself and not just live in black and navy and gray. I'm going to wear color, and even if they look at me like I'm weird, I'm, I'm going to do that. Well, maybe so,
0: you can inspire yes. them to start wearing color.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't need to live in the, in, the, in the drab. I don't have to. So, uh-huh.
0: Embrace
1: the color as you embrace your voice. All <laughs> oh, beautiful. More oh, you know beautiful.
6: Squeeze you into its mold. You change the room when you walk into
5: it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we're all wearing blue today, all of us.
5: The Sabbath color, right?
0: <laughs> I have black underneath, but. <laughs> Hmm.
3: All right. It's hard to say goodbye, isn't it? I know it yeah. is. Nobody
0: it. wants to be the first to leave, except well, just Ed. To
1: you know, just to let you know that the church is experiencing technical difficulties. It says we should begin by eleven forty-five. There was issues that were happening already that David and everyone had to pre-record because of audio, but apparently they're still having problems.
0: mm.
3: Also well, so everything's pre-recorded because I noticed he was wrong and I thought, yeah. Oh. yeah, I was
0: like, what? How come he's not at the church?
3: <laughs> yeah, he just said, I'm finished with church
1: already.
0: <laughs> well, I noticed last week I could hardly hear Ernie.
1: The audio's been an issue and yeah, that I haven't it on full volume to hear And Now there's like having a complete issue with audio and they've tried to fix it this whole week.
0: So we'll see if it comes
4: on or
5: what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Well, just as maybe a tangent, I've got a friend in Korea, and she told me about a week ago that the conference over there informed all of their pastors that they are free to find jobs Hmm. because the conference cannot afford to pay
3: them. Really? Wow.
0: That's amazing because Korea is the richest area of the Adventist Church, because all their money has to stay within their confines; none of it can go to the GC. That's amazing.
5: I think we're going to see the wave that wave spreading all around the world because the income. I mean, our I know that our conference is making choices this month based on what is turned in from last month. And I'm sure similar things are going to start happening here, and it's going to trickle all the way up to the general conference, mm-hmm. because a lot of people, I mean, if you aren't in church and the plate isn't passed in front of you, a lot of money's not going to happen.
4: And and beyond that, is with so many people that just have not, they, I mean, their incomes have just been set right. um, I know, you know, that I, I feel very fortunate that I still have a job, but our, you know, income is just... Over the last couple of months, so you know my yeah. tithe has been less than normal, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's um, just you know across the board. So many people have lost their jobs or just are barely getting by. That you know tide is going to plummet, and then you know, uh, and as you mentioned, if you don't have that plate coming by for the offering. Um, that you're not likely to. to log on to Adventist giving to say, oh, I need to give my offering. Um, I'm
6: sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I'm thinking, too, that, you know, especially for men, a a, a job is often part of their identity. And so, I mean, we know that that's not supposed to be the foundation. But uh, when we go to church, we're also looking for a place where our, our identity can be can find a home and be enhanced. So, if church, you know, is reduced to someone just preaching, then it, it's not necessary. We need that face to face. We need that human touch. Uh, so we we naturally start to feel our identity eroding again
4: because of, we feel that isolation feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely people need to be more in things like this, as yeah. a, just logging on and yeah. watching the sermon and then logging off. Yeah,
0: so, I, like, I worry about people who just turn on a 3ABN or LLBN and just watch. They're not part of that congregation. They don't know the people that are attending. Um, they're in isolation, I mean.
6: Right. And I think the, the, you know, the enemy has, has had a long-time agenda to... To, um I'm looking for a word to um to cultureize us in spectator uh participation spectator mode, spectator yeah. mode. so what it could be yeah you know, it could be sports right it could be many things uh, and, and we think we're together when at its root we're more spectator than we are actually participating. <laughs> Participating and interacting with one another. So it's a pseudo joy, you know. So, so the real joy, if God put that in us, that's what we naturally are going to see.
2: And,
6: and another, I find it kind of humorous sometimes. And if we're in a Sabbath school and, and the Spirit starts to work on our hearts, we start to open up and become more vulnerable. And and things are moving in a direction where, you know, it's very life giving. <laughs> but then, you know, the time limit says, okay, we have to stop. Well, i mean life has to be organized around segments of time and we understand that uh, but we long for a um, a society you know a, a, a rubric where we can not have time interrupting the that which god has ordained so, I and mean, obviously would all you know it's, it's our it's our our yearning for heaven right we <laughs> We won't have to have things cut off uh, because the next thing has to start. Uh, so, you know, this is, we're constantly in this balance, but we love it, you know, when we, I think that's part of the design of this habit, we love it when we can be free from uh, restricted time elements that interfere with uh, with um, social interaction and enjoy it. I like everybody's smile, too. too, too.